So why is it that you particularly like Croden then and Croden Tower? It's 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 a route that myself and my late wife Maya did years ago. I think probably oh back in I think two thousand and five. I think we came up here after after a, probably a couple of years of walking in the peaks, and I mean, we happened upon this route one day. Didn't you know we were kind of a bit naive still, like we'd just randomly wander a path and then thinking, oh, where's that going? And wouldn't necessarily you know sort of nav and think of you know I wonder what's up there, what we need to be prepped for, and what's the you know what's the terrain going to be like and we ended up coming up this route one day and just getting you know sort of tur- suddenly turning around and looking back down this this cloth and i think it was probably one of the first times really taking in like the how gentle you know the the, the valley of edale is but how gentle some of kinder is compared to some of the other sides of it that we'd seen where it was you know much more harsh and northern edge and the horseshoe where it's much more cragged um and i think it, it really drew in then when we when we carried on up the cloth and we started into this this scramble it was that contrast of do you know what there's a, there really is there's a bit of everything on a walk around here you can have the lovely gentle hills you can have the you know the, the you know the, the softening colors that you you see in the variation especially this time of year you know as a kind of autumn into winter but then all of a sudden you turn around the corner of a crag and you've got this you know wall of grit stone that you have to try and navigate up and it's kind of you know a little puzzle that somebody throws into a walking route that you're thinking right you've got to stop and sit and think and assess and obviously you know taking safety into account but thinking you know what this is actually quite a fun challenge to have you know these little spots thrown into a walking route and i think after doing it it really i think the two of us were like i remember sort of carrying on the walk and coming back down to the car later on but the two of us were actually really buzzing thinking i think that's the first time either of us done a, a proper scramble it's just not something either of us had ever really happened across and so you started looking at routes then with a little bit more intrigue thinking where can we start to maybe you know rope in a little bit more of a crag or what are the other cloughs look like that you know that come off kinder and i think i think this side because it feels so accessible because it's so gentle to start off with it's then you're looking at it thinking right well there's probably something hidden around this clough or around the corner or you know even coming around the headland here and going up jacob's ladder you can quite easily spin off jacob's ladder and find some good scrambles in and around that that make that route far more of a variance and get away from the crowd as well <laughs> there's no crowds up here today there's, there's literally no one <laughs> it's brilliant it's, it's so most, peaceful and calm it's the most beautiful morning i mean i really thought that we were going to sat i mean i don't know yet because we've only been sat here for a few minutes we might be freezing cold in a few minutes but right now it just it's just incredible that we're up here and we've got it all to ourselves i know i mean after i think after last week and all the I think all the different degrees of inversions we had and then just, you know, loads of clag over, over the last few days. It's, it's just it's, it's perfect to have come out here and just, yeah, just on unobstructed view everywhere. It's yeah. brilliant. And I think with, like you were just kind of saying with Kinder, is that you can have so many different types of adventures here. You know, there's so many different cloughs to explore. Yeah, I think, and it's, I think it's one of the things that makes the, I suppose, the area so well so foreboding i think in some in some ways but so intri- intriguing as well is you know you can if you if you're wanting if you're wanting your height and your climbs god you can find it you know in spades around here but if you're wanting just a you know a one sharp hike up and then be up on the tops for you know for hours on end you know circumnavigating the plateau you know even itself isn't a straightforward task but it's there's so many different aspects to it and and yeah there's there's good old kinder scout navigation as well and all the all the trials and tribulations that that brings as well for the not for the faint-hearted um you know it's and i think it's yeah i think it's it's, it's that how it's how much how much kinder masks i think and so many there's so many secrets to it that i think unless you spend a fair bit of time here i think you can often follow the tourist traps like any like any national park has but i think sometimes following all the tourist traps you can actually miss out on some of the best that it has to offer and i think i think croden tower is one of those routes where i've i've never really met many people who i know through walking or through running that necessarily 
know exactly where I'm talking about straight away as a scramble. They know where it is to come across the top of it. If you're perhaps coming round from Grinslow Knoll or you're coming from the Woolpacks and you're, you're coming round the edge, but they often walk straight past the top of it um, or have never, haven't necessarily come up that side from Barber Booth that often. So it's, I think it's always felt like one of those little, yeah, I'll go up there because there probably won't be. And I seldom see, you know, I must have done this route 12, 13 times over the years and seldom seen anybody else in that club, even more so when you walk, when you do it in a blizzard like, like last year. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you learn your navigation skills then? Has it been trial and error or? Um, yeah, I think it's, I, I think, to a certain degree i think there's a i think there is merit sometimes in getting to know a little bit of a landscape and i think then trying to deliberately get yourself lost i'm not i'm not advocating people go into kinder in the middle of a day of clag without a map or a compass or a mobile phone or anything it's not that i think it's about getting to know somewhere like i like i i live on the more on the bleaklow side where you know bleaklow is notorious for how bad it is to navigate in the same way that it is you know once you're in the center of the of the kinder plateau and I think there's been times where I've run a route or walked a route, got to a certain point and then thought, right, I'm going to just walk off in one direction now and have to work out how I, you know, get back and how you get to know the different gruffs and the shapes and the landscape and the different, you know, contours of it. And um, But I think it's it's just that intrigue of studying the map over and over again, you know, the night before a run, the night before you're coming out of a route and I think, well, I know I can go this way and I know I can follow the route that I've done a few times, but how do I vary it? How do I add something in so that I'm going to take in you know, an extra clough that I've never done before or I'd never heard of Jagger's Clough until a couple of years ago and then somebody mentioned it as part of a, the Kinder Dozen challenge um, and it was like, right, well, I've got to go and find that then. How do I rope that into the regular routes that I know confidently? You know, and, and it is a case of trying to almost challenge yourself, I think, a little bit to say, right, I've got to take myself out of your comfort zone to a degree, but getting to know the plateau better, I think, better prepares you to make for a more exciting walk you know if you're out on a day and you'd only planned three hours and all of a sudden you find yourself up there and the weather's brilliant and you've not got time skills to stick to you think well hang on how can i add another two hours on here but do something different and all of a sudden you've you've taken in a part of the route that you never you never knew was there i, I did the same last year i had a, i came out with a plan last christmas to to originally to circumnavigate the plateau because i would never got around to doing it and got around part of northern edge and then the weather was closing in i thought you know what? i'm gonna have to come in the plateau came across to edelmore trig and then got to Grinstone Knoll and came back and went back inland again. And before I knew it, I was heading for the kind for Kinder Downfall. And before I knew it, I came through Kinder Gates. And it was like it was like coming into something out of a out of like Jason and the Argonauts, where you come through this like narrow pass and there's two big godly structures either side protecting the, the river that's gonna you know, something's gonna happen. And it was like this this really quite surreal sort of scene. And you're thinking, God, I've heard of Kinder Gates, but never actually seen it before and you can really now see why the features gain their names. And I think that's the other thing that I think is, is fascinating about around here is like, you know, why are they called what they are? Why is it the Pym Chair? Why is, you know, why are they the, the Wayne Stones? The Kissing Stones make sense. Yeah. Why are they the Wayne Stones over on Bleaklow? Why, why, why do, you know, why do all these features get given the, the names that they are? Is it because they physically look like what they've been given? Or is there, you know, is there more of a, a history and a, a bit of, you know, is there some folklore to you know to the landscape as well and i think there's i think that that's i think it's steeped in that round here you know as well as the obvious walking culture that that you know that kinder has you know and, and everything that it means in terms of access as well yeah there's so much more depth to it than meets the eye i think the more that you meet more people and you read more books it just seems to open up even more little treasure troves of information yeah i think it's i think it's definitely it hides i think it hides a lot of secrets and i think it's it is only going off track and you know and looking at you know around the little the corners here and there and you realize you know whether whether it's something obvious to find like the numerous plane wrecks that we've got all over but i think i think that that has become the obvious draw for so many people but i think it's just the odd little features here and there or you might find i don't know something something that i think intrigues me is like going to find a water source tracking a clough all the way up into the top of the moor and working out where it actually starts from and and seeing you know sort of how it all spurs across the across the you know the rest of the plateau it's um yeah it's i think it's always hiding more and i think every time you come up here it's always there's so many ways of doing the same route but you can just yeah you can discover an awful lot by just a tiny little bit of variance and yeah i think pl planning and plotting routes and getting to know i i can stare at a map of this plateau for hours and hours and think and come up with upteen different routes and i've only got so much time to do that one or this one but you know trying to always work ways of how can I get back over here and how can I, you know, sort of carve the, carve the time into a working day as well to be able to 
you know spend a, you know spend a few hours up here and just taking a little bit of it in and i love all the changing seasons as well because there's different experience like today it's pretty kind of standard i mean it's a beautiful still day but it's quite standard for early winter however over the next couple of days we're already seeing the changes in the cloths of the ice yeah. forming and over the next couple of days i think it is going to change yeah i think that's yeah seeing i think they're, they're the, the first icicles i've seen this winter um but i think this time of year i think it's it's that the way it goes into autumn i think what it, i think what it always whenever i've described it to people you know when you meet people who live elsewhere in the country they say oh what's kinder like what's the peak district like and i always say it's brooding it looks like this brooding kind of hulk of hill <laughs> and i think there is i think in the two senses in that i think one it hides I think it hides some of its dangers in the sense that because it is so bleak, you know, and, and it's so often unlike today, it's so clag covered, you know, which which adds to I suppose the the intrigue and the eeriness of it. But I think the colour variants that you get around here with all all the different heathers and the lower slopes as well as it comes into autumn, I mean, it's, this this time of year is by far and away I think my favourite time of year to you know to come up here, even even when it's raining, because I just think the the colour variance is is fab. Whereas I think sometimes not always. I think in in the summer it can get a little bit scorched. You know, whereas yeah, this time it just yeah, every every corner, every clough that you you go around, it's just it's constantly changing. And I think the shadows in winter are even are even better. I think because of the the shapes that you get with all the different crags and and the gritstone knolls and everything around it. I think the way that it casts shadows on a, on a day with low sunlight today, I just think it's yeah, it's it's fab. I'm just sitting here nodding because you're <laughs> describing it so beautifully. These are all things that I think about, and it's so nice to meet you who you know shares that and that you live quite locally as well it's just so lovely to share that with someone because sometimes I think oh you know is it strange that I sit there and look at study maps all the time and like <laughs> want to look at the source of the, the, where the water's coming from and it's so nice to share I, that I think you know I think over the years I've met so many people who have lived in the shadows of mountain ranges hill ranges national parks and when you say to them you know which parts your favorite and they say oh well, I don't think I've ever been up such and such. I've never been up Trevan. I've never, I've never been to the, you know, to that part of the Yorkshire Dales. And you think, but you live on its doorstep. How, how? And I think that to a degree, people, many people do take it for granted. It's just a landscape that happens to be there. But to me, it's always like, but do you not want to know what's inside it? Do you not want to go up there and see, you know, the the perspective that you get on your own home is so different when you're at the top of a hill compared to when you're looking up at something. And you know, I think, I think, you know, being fortunate enough to live so close to to the plateau and you know it, it it's it's that opportunity to be able to physically sometimes i think just get your head above sort of day-to-day -day, the, the mire that we all get you know stuck in on a day-to-day -day with you know with, with work and habits and things but i think also it's just that difference in perspective thinking you know that that childishness of going oh look my house and you can you know see it from miles away um but it's it's knowing that you can you can literally get up here from I mean, yeah, today I've I've driven around to come to the plateau from Edale, but I can get here from my house if I wanted to, you know, to do it on a long run. And it's it's the accessibility that it offers as well. You know, without without having to necessarily go really far, you don't have to be out here doing thirty or forty miles. It can only be a, you know, a ten mile run, and you can still take in a fair old chunk of you know of, of what it's got to offer. And I, and I think I think the as well I think I think last week's weather I think was a really good case in point where I think because we have these almost i think we have these weird weather microclimates in and around either this side of the plateau where we are on edale but we, we see it on the glossop side as well where i think because we're we're, we're we've got these two bowl like valleys i think it's that thing if you don't actually have to get that high to really experience some brilliant weather phenomena, like whether it's the inversions like we had last week or you know the rare occasions where you might i mean i, I saw a brock inspector a couple of years ago and i was literally bouncing off the walls on the end of a hillside and <laughs> one of my friends was like what on earth is the matter with you and i was like but i've seen one but i've seen one that's the first time i've ever I, and it's and it was just it was just like this magic moment and i, I saw a few people that i follow on on instagram last week also had like similar experiences where they hadn't come that high they weren't like up on the edge of the downfall or you know on, on the edge of grinslow or something like that they were just right on the edge and it was enough for them to be able to just see this this floating sea of cloud and i think where, where were we last week one of my, myself and one of my friends came out for a late afternoon run i think it was on the um was it the thursday where we had the really fantastic inversions yeah and all we did was we came up to harry's hot trig you know with just you know below going up to mill hill and kinder staircase and even at whatever that is at 300 meters it was like how are we above the cloud level even here and it was 
you know, I saw the pictures from this side and I was incredibly envious. I thought, wow, you know, if we got a little bit higher, how must it look? But it's that ability to be able to just, you know, hop 10, 15 minutes away and go, look what you can see here, as opposed to being down, set, you know, down at home thinking, my God, it's it's got a bit foggy, hasn't it? <laughs> That's you know? what I used to think. Yeah. I used to think, oh, it's a foggy day, I'll stay indoors. Even even when I was, you know, living in Edale in the early days, it's only by living here that I've discovered what temperature inversions are and what yeah. clock inspect. They're now part of my language, but they never were before. I didn't even know that they existed. Yeah, I think I think I've, I've learned over the last few years, you know, when you've gone out, especially, and it, I think it, it always is, I think it's probably the higher chance of having, you know, weather features like that, I think is at this time of year because the, the, the air pressure is so, so changeable that it will drop. And, you know, whether it's, I'm trying to remember what it is now, you've got the Brock Inspector and I think there's, is it Sun Dogs? Where you get like this, this kind of arch over the, over the sun, like a sphere. And you get that quite a lot, um, you know, on the, I've seen that on the, a lot of the other side of the platter where you get low sun like this. And it's, it always just fascinates me. It's like, right, how does that work? And then you start looking it up and you get home thinking, so how, why, what is it about the, you know, the water vapor and the cloud and the, you know, the shadow that's creating it and stuff. And I think it's, it's those kind of things you wouldn't otherwise have thought, oh, that's an actual thing. <laughs> and then somebody says to you like, what's that, what was that that you mentioned on your post the other day about such and such? It's like, oh, right, well, what it is, is, and you suddenly sound like an expert overnight. <laughs> You're like, I knew nothing about this yesterday, but now I'm glad I do. And, you know, and, and now, you know, then actually, do you know what, when, the, when you see the weather potentially changing for that following day, you're able to then plot in and go, actually, do you know what? If I can arc out an, an hour tomorrow morning, I could possibly just nip up that hillside and maybe get a really, you know, cracking view. And you can, you can see it even here now. You can see on the other side of the Great Ridge, you can tell that cloud is starting to drop onto the other side. So that the view on there, on the edge of Rushup now, is, is probably dropped right, on, right underneath the valley. Whereas I think we are just held just on, on the flip side of it at the moment, where we're still seeing absolutely unobstructed, sunny views of the hill. It's incredible. December, eh? And it's so, it's just so quiet. <laughs> Don't even hear a grouse. No. Which is just really bizarre. <laughs> even there, chilling out today. Haven't disturbed one all the way, all the way up the <laughs> clough. I'm sure we might do as we're walking around a bit further, but yeah, but there doesn't even seem to be that many people out walking today. No, and it's not that early now, is it? No. Tell you what, you flew up here though. I, I think that's got to be the quickest I've ever come up that cloth. <laughs> I think when I'm talking about something that I'm passionate about, I think whether I'm walking or whether I'm running, I think I start to, I think I start to move with the, <laughs> with the, with the pace of, of the conversation that I'm having. And I, but yeah, I think it's just, I, I think, I think when I get up that cloth, I think there's a point where the pitch of the cloth starts to change and becomes very significantly uphill. And it's just one of those you kind of love to attack a little bit and, and really start to try and, you know, go out and look at knowing that the, the proper scramble is just around the corner because the way that cloth twists, you know, into the left and then all of a sudden it goes up and around to the right hand side and it becomes steeper. You kind of, you know, that the, the kind of that, that jigsaw puzzle is kind of, you know, coming and it's, yeah, it's, um, it's that excited kind of, I think, kid in you that goes, right, when do we go, when do we start to go climbing? I definitely felt the excitement coming <laughs> from you. What does Kinder Scout mean to you? I think from the beginning, it's there's an awful lot of memory for me coming up to kinder and being introduced to kinder inadvertently unbeknownst to me i when i i met my late wife in 2003 and one of the things that she suggested one day was oh well i'm going to go for a walk if you'd like to join me now you think back to the way that to that was toned and you think that was a really loaded statement i am going for a walk you can come with me if you like and as it turned out, it was actually quite a subtle test of she really liked walking. And this was to see whether it was the kind of thing I was into, because if it wasn't, then we probably weren't going to get on that well. So we came out and, she, you know, we parked up in Edale and we went up the a route, you know, the Pennine Way and then, and then turned right and went up, went up Grinslow Knoll, me in a pair of Wrangler jeans and naff shoes that just weren't designed for, you know, for walking up a hill. But fortunately, it was like a really, it was a really warm day, um, you know, so in late September. And I think... I think I personally have always been like this. I'm very, very much either not interested at all or obsessed. And I don't tend to have, you know, sort of a, a, a much of a filter in between. And I think as soon as we did that walk, I mean, years later, she joked about it. And she said, you know, what? if we hadn't had that in common, you know, it was something that really probably would have been maybe a bit of a tipping point. I was like, Bloody hell, I'm really glad I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm really glad I enjoyed it, even if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't, wasn't kitted out right on the day. 
but for that that was it then all of a sudden we were like out in the peak district like every other week and you know we were living in manchester at the time we were living in chorlton um and then latterly you know levensune but it was like right let's get out to the peaks it's saturday morning where are we going today which route are we going to do you know and we started mixing sometimes sometimes we'd be on this side of the plateau sometimes we'd come up from the grouse sometimes we'd come up from hayfield some of the other times it would be going over from you know from bleaklow uh, sorry from snake pass and coming into the you know the into the pass from you know from the, the snake side other times like you know doing croden and um you know, and the, the kind of Black Hill end, end of the peaks. But it just became this regular thing of, do you know what, we live in the city, we work in the city, let's get out into the countryside. And we just, it just became a thing. And we had so many routes that we did over the years and we repeated some back and you know, like Croton Tower is one of the ones that we did, you know, over and over again, you know, doing the Great Ridge with friends. And it just became a thing. It was like, do you know what, this we really enjoy walking. We really enjoy being out here. And, and more the more time we spent and the more time, you know, we were stuck in traffic coming down Mottramore, thinking, God, it's taken ages to get up the M- M67 from Manchester. I think when we were walking around the villages around here and, and you know, it was almost like, hang on, how how do we get out here? Like, how, how do we not have to travel all the time? How do we get to move here and have this on the doorstep all the time? You know, because we know we'd, we'd, be, we'd make, you know, fantastic use of us. And then... You know, you look at house prices and you're thinking, oh, do you know what? Yeah, actually, it'd be a bit real tricky getting in and out of, of town. And it just, the, the idea just kind of waned for a little bit. And, you know, we were, we were sort of still here, but we, you know, we just got busy with work and everything. And then after we had our, after we had our first child, we started, you know, she was then in the carrier. And it was like, how do we get back in the peaks? How do we get to enjoy the, you know, the peak district with Martha when she's a child? And, you know, had her in the little life, you know, carrying up and down hills. I remember carrying her up Grinslow. Um, Grinsbrook Clough years ago uh, in the little life on a, you know, on a really love, lovely May Day break and it was like actually do you know what why would you not want to have be bringing her up around here as opposed to be, you know, being in, in and around the city and we looked at it and you know we, we happened to find I, I happened to be working with somebody at the time who was based in, in Hadfield near Glossop and they just invited us out one day and said oh you know we've got one of these you know, the, the Peak District is so wonderfully full of its village fairs and fates and, you know, fruit-based festivals, like you've got the Apple Festival here or the, you know, such and such. And we had the Plum Fair in Padfield. And they just said, oh, just come out and, you know, bring Martha out. And we came out and we are just like, this is the kind of li- village life, this is the kind of community life that we really want to have and we want to be part of and we want to, you know, bring bring Martha up in and also, you know, if we we're fortunate enough to, you know, to have another baby, you know, have our family being brought up around. And as we were driving home that day we were like right let's put the house in the market let's let's come out here let's just do it we can get on the train we're on the train line in Hadfield we can get in and out of Manchester and within six months we were that was us we were we were kind of up sold and we'd you know we'd moved out and before we knew it we were in in Hadfield and all of a sudden we had the Pennine Way you know where it crosses the you know the valley off Torside Clough literally on the doorstep of the house and you could not get in the car and disappear for a walk for the whole afternoon and not think twice about it and that's how we ended up here you know really was it was it was charged by that love of walking and love of the peaks that we'd we developed and you know come rain or shine and plenty of funny stories you know i was i was out walking with my once and she was um she was behind me one minute i was chatting away to her and the next thing i just kind of turned around at shoulder level and she was gone i was thinking where on earth she disappeared to her? and i looked down and she had literally fallen and gone straight through a bog and she was just like waist deep in this bog and I was like oh oh god I'm trying not to laugh but then <laughs> it, it, then just having to see the funny side of it and then eventually managed to fish her out like squelching out of this mud and we carried on and then we ended up walking into like a cotton field somewhere with loads of flowers and she looked like she'd been tarred and feathered within about 10 minutes <laughs> and it was just one of these most comical scenes but then you end up you know yomping down the path and, and carrying on the walk and you, th- you just you can't help but look at that and thinking but you know what? It's better to be doing this than be like living in the drizzly city and feeling a bit humdrum about like, oh, it's the weekend again. What should we go and do? Let's go to the pub and and you don't do anything with yourself and you're not out in in a decent space, you know, and, and you know decent air quality around you. And that for me is what what the whole, you know, from the the peaks, but but I think the plateau in particular is, you know, holds quite fondly for me. It's just it's steeped in memories of more recent life started and and. You know, and what I've kind of continued enjoying then, you know, for years as it's developed into, you know, different interests for me. And what connection do you feel when you spend time here? I think when I when I come out, because I've, 
I, I don't I, I run now far more than than I than I used to walk. Um and I think that habit changed just because I was on my own. Um you know, Maya sadly died as a result of a cancer diagnosis in 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 2012 so about 10 years ago um this week and I think after her death I got into running and obviously sort of looking after two young children and initially when I was road running you know it wasn't really a thing but then I, I got kind of inadvertently introduced to starting to trail run and then more of the hills and I think my first instinct then when I started looking at where should I go how can I get off road was I've got all these routes in my head that we walked for years endlessly. Why am I not just running those routes? I know them, I know the paths, I know the crags, I know the cloughs. Why am I not just retracing these routes? Because, you know, some of them are like proper slogs, so it'll be a really good day out in the hills and a really good physical test. But also, there's, you know, moreover, there's that connection of we enjoyed that route because of X or there was a particular memory or, you know, being remembering being on a walk and being, I don't know, x amount of weeks pregnant at the time we were up there and talking about plans for when we had our baby and things like that and and it just it, i think at times when you know when it was in the midst of grief it became a, a, a point of uplift to you know to be able to reconnect and go do you know what? i'm going to go and do that route round round northern edge today because that's the route we used to love doing and we'd never see a soul on there no matter how busy kinder can get even in the height of summer to route that i've seldom seen people really in big numbers you know walk or run along and i think retracing those those routes over the years and you know like the one we've done today it just it kind of brings back a lot of fun memories but at the same time it's kind of given me a bit of a physical challenge as well because you know it's like one thing walking up croton tower it's another thing trying to jog or run up it and then you know that you've got a lovely run once you get to the top you've got a lovely you know run for potentially hours around the tops and yeah it's and, and then you you know you realize you've got a you know once you start hill running you end up in this cluster of people who have you know are similar ilk who they, they love being in the hills and you suddenly then start to learn actually do you know what it's not all about the paths let's get off kilter and you start following the sheep trails and the next thing you're not walking on anything that looks even vaguely like a path and people wonder where the hell you're taking them <laughs> but it's like the, the, but that's the joy of the challenge then is is actually do you know what the paths are the straightforward bit there's so many lines you know once you're above the access line that you think you know what that's going to be a challenge let's go up that hill instead or let's go up that cliff because there's no path that goes up there and it's just again it's that constant evolving challenge every every time you're up here but it's always it's always steeped back into you know memories of the start of a relationship childbirth helping a child explore the peak district for the first time and seeing the intrigue on their face you know it's a i suppose a bit of a reminder of a, a bit of a reality check as well of like you know grief and what grief has been like over the last 10 years and you know and that this is a place today particularly as a place that i've done you know quite a few times on my you know late wife's anniversary because it just it just makes sense i just gravitate towards it it's just i don't think oh i'll go to snowdonia where you know i know that she loved as well or i don't necessarily it's always i always come here you know year on year i will always come and do a route in the peaks that we always did just because it's just nice it's just nice to reflect on rather than i think getting too down about it which is you know be all too easy to do and understandably so but it's just it's not been my my perspective over the years hasn't been like that it's been more on trying to reflect positively on where where we've been and what we've got and we've got a helicopter coming <laughs> hopefully not mountain rescue <laughs> it's the first noise that we've heard for ages it's getting very atmospheric it over is. there with yeah. the cloud and so i think sometimes grief and memory you know memories like that can sometimes feel maybe like a bit of a difficult place to go maybe a bit lonely or a bit scary you know about yeah if you're out on your own and you, and you feel really emotional you feel really upset and maybe a bit vulnerable have you had times like that or and how do you get through those sorts I of have. times i've had i've had times where i've been out walking since where yeah the, the solace I think the solace is, is what I've craved at, at times and it's been really good because I just I want to have that memory I want to not look like a madman in company where I just suddenly start grinning to myself at a funny memory and thinking oh god what's 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 up with you like why is it you've gone weird um <laughs> but yeah there's times where you want to be able to have the vulnerability to be able to just sob you know there just there are there's just times where you come out and you just it's quite overwhelming the way it just it, it rolls up and gets you or there might be something that you didn't think of and suddenly you know the way you've done that route that particular day it just something it triggers off something else in your head and you've got to give yourself that space to be able to go Do you know what it's okay to not always feel you know surrounded by happy memories and stuff yeah it is there it is steeped in 
you know, in, in that kind of, it's great to be doing this route again. Isn't it a shame that we didn't get to do that route again together? But I think, I think my, I think, you know, I think we all have very, very different perspectives on grief and how we respond. And no, 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 nobody's is wrong. I think it's all just very, very different. My, mine has always been, you know, like, like, you know, like our anniversary this week feels really significant. Ten years is a really big time span to reflect back on. But my my perspective on it has always been kind of one that's based in around around gratitude for I suppose the time that we did have and you know the things we got to do and places we got to see like here and what we discovered and how it cha- how it changed our life you know markedly you know I, I don't know I could be still living in the city for all I know now if you know if we hadn't you know started coming out here years ago and I think it's the it's the connection you then get to the people that are close by and meeting people who really appreciate that same landscape in the way that you do you know like you were saying you're sort of hearing me talk about the way the landscape in the way that you sometimes do and reflect on it and then you think oh do, what do other people think when you hear them talking about you know a physical piece of land like that but you know you hear people who want to explore that place in the same way that you do and you think like do you know what this isn't just me this is there's actually a there's a there's a community of people here that really you know really have some of the connections that you do for different reasons some people's might be you know, to do with grief, it could be a person, it could be a, a lost pet, you know, a dog that they spent loads of time, you know, walking up on the peaks with. It could be where they, I don't know, when they, when they, where they first cut their teeth, actually going outdoors when they really reluctantly didn't want to leave the house. And they were like, come on, you're going for a walk today, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, there's people who get put off forever by getting dragged up into the clag and rain like we, you know, like we do here sometimes. But there's days where I've dragged myself out for walks. And, you know, I'm not going to lie where I just I have not wanted to do it. But I've just thought I know I'm going to feel better for being up there. <laughs> yeah. And then but it's but that's no different to so much form of so many forms of physical exercise. That's no different to running where a lot of the time the hardest part about going for a run is physically getting over your own doorstep. You know, you can be fraught with anxiety. You can have up different you know, mental health issues that you're struggling with and getting out of the door is the hardest thing. And once you're out, you might berate and curse yourself for the first half hour. But when you get back home, it's like, oh, well, that was kind of type two fun. You know, <laughs> I've absolutely soaked to the skin, but I'm bloody glad I went out. And, you know, and I think it is Definitely. that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I think it's just accepting it for what it is. Yeah, some days just do feel awful and, and, and really, you know, really, yeah, just, just feel really low. But, it's knowing that after a bit of time out here, it doesn't help but soothe. Mm. Um, you know, even on the even on some really really you know ropey days, you know, mood wise. And I think yeah, I think that's probably one of my biggest single motivations for wanting to be up and out here is just I know I know the the benefit you know for my mental health is so tangible. If I if I don't spend time outdoors for any given length of time, I can feel my mood start to drop and I can feel my my temperament change and I can feel my tolerances change you know and it's just like god it's because I'm craving just outdoor space and you know even if it's raining I'm just like I don't care if I'm going to go and get soaked I just want to go out and I want to be out and get I think physically sometimes getting above when you're feeling low I think sometimes there is there is a physicality about your mood that you can try and change as well even if it's just going on to one of the lower peaks if it's getting above the height of your house or getting above the height of your town it suddenly makes you feel actually do you know what can change my perspective now i can kind of see pardon the pun but you know see the wood for the trees depending on you know where you are in the valley as well so you obviously have quite um a busy life you've got a family yeah <laughs> and you you're the ceo yeah. of a charity so how do you manage to fit it in not just with kinder because obviously i know you go to other you you have other interests as well yeah. and you go up other mountains and you you you've been talking about going swimming in the sea <laughs> <laughs> at sunrise and things so how how is it that you fit it all in and why is it so important to you that around your work and family life that you still maintain this time for spending time outside I think when I think I've, I've always enjoyed the outdoors anyway and I think I think when Maya died I think there was a a bit of a reset that went on in terms of do you know what with with something when you experience something as profound as that i think it, it forces you to you know to reset and to reevaluate what's really important and i think ever since then i think i've always been of a mindset of do you know what you know work can't be the dominating factor it should be about enjoying yourself and fitting your enjoyment of life around work 
that's not to say you don't work hard it's not to say that i don't work hard and you know and my wife does but it's making sure that that's balanced with you know i, I always get muddled up when i say this phrase is it work to you know don't live to work work to you know work to be able to live and be able to get out and do the things you enjoy and i think for i think for me i think when i when i when i first when i was first it was just me and you know and the, and the, and the two children as it was back then in, in 2012 you know going into 2013 i think i i realized you know when the, when when we started the the charity that i run i was going to always prioritize the kids around that so i would give myself the flexibility to be able to say you know what, if there's something that i want to go and see i'm going to go and do that and i'll catch up with work later on that evening if i want to go for a walk because the day is looking lovely i'm just going to go for that walk because that's going to prepare me to be in a better place to be able to then be more productive answer things better be you know be a better person to the people that are around me and the people that i love you know um you know family and for family and friends and i think i think we've tried i think tried to carry that forward ever since and say look do you know what we, we can't slog away because they end up if you do you end up so tired you end up sitting back at a weekend or when you've got free time and go i just want to chill out and you end up sitting in front of the telly and i've always wanted i think because of the profound impact of maya's death as well i think i've always wanted to be a fit and healthy parent i want to be active i want my children to see me and us as parents being active and out there and them to know that that is normal that having a sedate you know sedentary kind of life is not necessarily healthy i think there's balance with it you know i have no issue with the kids you know wanting to put on their you know to you know put on a the, the switch and play games and stuff and yeah absolutely but it's that balanced with but look forward to going out for a walk as well when we suggest going for a walk you know trying to not get into a culture of, oh god have we got to it's like oh right where are we going today and have to be an intrigue and them to say right well we went there last week can we not go there can we go here instead and you know for them to be ultimately <clears throat> it get to a stage where they're the ones that suggest where they want to go at a weekend or when we've got you know sort of half term breaks and holidays and and you know and that goes for you know when we're on holiday as well we would probably choose to go i mean don't get me wrong everybody loves a bit of sun and you know as a family we went to cornwall this week you know this year for the first time and it was lovely to be somewhere where it was warmer and you could get in the sea without wondering whether it would be freezing cold or not but equally it was also still balanced with being in a really stunning landscape and a, and a landscape that people respect and come to enjoy and you know whether that's the coastal paths that i really loved you know running sections of when i was down there or them exploring kind of the crags and cliffs and beaches it's it's always going somewhere where there's there's physical intrigue to a landscape um i think that's been instilled in in me from you know from growing up and you know when my parents used to take myself and my, and my sister on holiday we'd we first of all when we moved over here we'd be going to places you know we spent a lot of time in scotland you know the highlands and islands getting to know places like sky and mull and cape rath and john O'Groats to you know laterally to going abroad but they would always go to places you know like the black forest in southern germany or you know the tyrol in austria or pl places where there was you know there was really impressive physical landscape they weren't necessarily big walkers at the time or they weren't runners themselves but they would place us as children in into places where there was that fascination that would surround you and i think with you know with our children it's trying to i'd like to be able to instill the same but i think i think my health physically has become even more of a profound focus and concern in of obviously seeing martha and merlin's mum you know taken away from them far too early in life and that's not to suggest that had we been phys more physically fit would it have been avoided that I, i'm not saying you know i don't think that is the connection but it's just wanting to be a fit and healthy parent and with the kids say i want to go for a run today i want to be able to be in a condition where i can go yeah let's you know i could say well let's go for a swim let's say i want to go and see how cold it is in the sea and being able to be to be able to get past your own kind of bravery or anxiety and say yeah do you know what let's do that let's get make sure we've got the right stuff with us but let's go and do it and yeah you, i mean you touched upon it there I, you know i went yesterday morning i went for a swim in when i was down in cardiff for work and i went for a swim in the sea at about 7 a.m and yeah it was you know it was absolutely unbelievably cold <laughs> and i was still trying to warm my fingertips up when i was i was giving a presentation about three hours later but <laughs> it was such an invigorating sensation to be in cold water like that and you know and you get a sense of that sometimes when you do it. i mean i'm not quite brave enough to do it in the winter in the peak district i've done plenty of wild swimming in the summer but yeah the <laughs> winter 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 wild water coming off the plateau is is very very cold um you know and, and i think the, the temperature of the water in croden clough just now was um was testament to that i don't think i'd have been trying to plunge myself in there without <laughs> without a dry robe and knowing that the car was literally about five minutes away from where i was 
has anyone inspired you to do these types of things um, that's a really good question. I think there's people in and around the Peak District that you, you, you follow that have, have made making the landscape as a thing for people to gravitate towards a real point of interest and, you know, and for them, like, I think, I think you, you, I think spent some time with her the other day, like Jen Scottney, I think, and all the, all the, the places that she goes. And I think, I think that's been a really fascinating journey to see over the last year, especially when I've been, you know, struggling with running injury. You know myself and and i've been you know questioning like oh why can't i do this why can't i do what i want to do anymore and seeing following that transitional journey that she's been going through about having to stop running but still able to physically get out and enjoy the landscape and taking it in for everything that it offers i think i get more inspired by people who are normal like that um as opposed to somebody who's got a really big elevated profile um who's you know who's got sponsorship and gets you know essentially gets paid to enjoy a landscape essentially i'm not saying that's what it found its foundation is but you know somebody who does it but does as much of it because there's a you know there's an actual sort of paid role within it as well i think it's it's people who do it purely because they just love where they are they love where they're based they they feel that they share that gratitude i think where, where you see somebody who you feel shares the same gratitude that you have for what you're fortunate enough to live close to i think are other people that I gravitate towards and they might be you know sort of your, your your average Joe you know it could be your cafe owner who's made it their life's you know sort of worth to be able to make sure that people are well prepared to go up that hill and you know know that they can you know they've got that warm welcome when they come off the hill later that day or you know folks like Mountain Rescue I think are, are probably people that I think there are people I look at and I think, God, you know what? There is a real labour of love to want to do that job. That's not just about wanting to be there for people when they're in trouble, but there has to be a love of the hills in order to gravitate towards that. And again, I've got loads of friends who are, you know, are part of um, Glossop MRT, especially, you know, who've who've you know similarly come at it because it started out as a love of love of walking or running the hills, and suddenly think, you know what? There's something I can give back because of my knowledge that I now have. I'm not saying it's something I haven't contemplated. I certainly did when I first moved out here. Um, I looked at MRT training and thought that would be a really great thing to do. And then, you know, Maya and I then got pregnant and then our life, you know, sadly unfolded then the way it did. And it took it took that opportunity away. But I suppose there's there's no reason why I couldn't necessarily look at doing that again in another few years time, you know, sort of getting trained up and, and making a commitment. Yeah, a couple of weekends ago, I was sat um, in Fairbrook Nays having a brew and um, I saw the Gloucester PMRT coming up and I was yeah. thinking, oh God, that's early, early start for them to be rescuing, but actually they were just training. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, you know, there's me sat here on a Sunday morning with my brew and they're out training on their weekend. It's just absolutely incredible commitment. Oh, it is. Yeah. And I've, and I've seen the same before. I've been out running before now and I've seen them doing practice drills on, you know, stretcher training and stuff coming off cloths or in the, you know, in the quarries over, over by um, the back edge of Croden and Black Hill. And it is, it's a, it's a huge commitment. But I think it's probably a commitment that comes from the fact that they love where they are. You know, like I, I mentioned, um, you know, a chap that I work with, Tim Budd, who's, you know, he, he's part of MRT and he has been for years and he's a runner and he's a, an outdoor enthusiast and he loves the hills. And likewise, he lives right at the back of Doctor's Gate. So he's up and down there all the time. But the foundation for it is a role that he's physically got to offer people in terms of like he's a physio so he has a rounded physical understanding of you know of the body anyway and it obviously lends itself very well then in terms of injury but again it's it's the connection to the landscape it's knowing the landscape it's knowing all the different little gruffs and spots and you know and areas where people could commonly you know um you know come a cropper and have injury and knowing how to get to them as quickly as possible you know that comes from almost that's almost that part of that fell running thing of just you follow the direct line you don't follow the path to get to somebody as quickly as possible and um yeah i think it's it's the people of the landscape i know that sounds a little bit cliched but i think it's those kind of people that i probably would you know follow and, and have the interest in you know because i think you learn more about the place that you love by following people like that i think and and I think also sometimes it just gives you a little bit of regret. When you, we can all get sidetracked, I think it maybe draws you back and to just having a bit of gratitude to go, and, you know what, I'm actually just lucky to actually even be able to sit here and look at it, you know, from a distance, even if I'm not out in it one day. It's, it's there and I know it's there next week when I'm less busy sometimes. And It's the people that you can relate to, isn't it? It's, it's so nice to find that, that commonality and to be inspired by those people and what they're doing because you can relate to it yeah and i think it's that thing you're not you're not trying to you're not trying to convince somebody why it's so amazing you kind of you're 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 almost echoing 
each other's feelings as to which part of it you love and it's like oh i love this bit and there's this bit as well have you been there and it's you know i, I found that with the you know with the running community over the last you know few years as soon as you start to venture into like fell running and you suddenly again it opens up this whole other box of tricks you're thinking well, I thought I knew the plateau well, but I didn't know about that one. And, you know, you hear about these crazy challenges like the Kinder Dozen and Kinder Killer, which is, I think, going up and down the plateau 12 different ways. And you're just thinking, on on what level of weird did anybody ever think that was a good idea to just sit there on the dining table and go, I'm a bit bored today. I'll think of a way that I can climb a plateau that many times to basically you know get in some obscene amount of ascent and then but then you come and look at it and you go i'm going to try one of them actually now that i've heard somebody mention it i'm going to go up that cliff instead and and suddenly you're like that was a really good climb and you get the satisfaction and it is that it's kind of that type two fun of going oh my god i am literally going to die on the hillside today and then you get to the top and you're like that felt really exhilarating you know that felt you get that real buzz of having got to the top and thinking yeah that was really worth it that was really worth the slog yeah it is i think shared shared love and understanding of that of an area like this i think there's just there's so much there is so much of that here no matter which side of the of the plateau you you know, you, you find yourself in no matter what your reason is to enjoy the landscape you know i'm i'm not a, i'm not a biker but i'm sure cyclists you know probably have that same level of camaraderie in terms of the routes that they follow and yeah you've got you've got the the crazy wild swimmers throwing in the mix of it all as well who um you know are, are again opening up different spots of kinder to perhaps that people didn't necessarily know that well before you know before that became a real thing about why you know cold water therapy works for people obviously you know risk mitigation taken into account but it's you know it's what are the the, the benefits that these kind of things can offer people and just see it in spades that 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 conversation is a much much wider and much more fluid conversation now than it was a few years ago where it was either you walked in the hills or you just didn't walk in the hills and that was it and now it's it's yeah there's so much there's so much more in terms of different levels of outdoor experience that people can you know they can come and come and enjoy it for I still can't get over how deathly quiet it is when you, when you stop, <laughs> I can't either. stop talking. There's just no sound. Compared to yesterday, you know, when I was running along here, it's such a it's a completely different day, completely different experience. And I've absolutely loved listening to your stories and the way that you experience this place. I always ask my guests on the show at the end, what makes you wild about Kinder Scout? I think it's the I think go back to what I said right at the beginning I think it's just it's that it's the brooding nature of the landscape and it just always there's yeah I think there's a there's a mis, there's a mystery about it when you when you look at it and just think like what is it going to open up today what has it got in store today you know that from whether it's changeable weather and you suddenly having to batten down the hatches and thinking right I'm glad I've kitted up and I've come out here today or you know you end up without even realizing you're going to see it and all of a sudden you come up and a bit like today the way we set out no idea it was going to be this clear today i honestly had full in my head thinking yeah we were going to sit here maybe for 10 minutes do a bit and then have to move because we were freezing cold or we'd have to stop for a coffee break because we got really chilly and it would be covered in clag and it's been the total opposite um and it's it's that that's the that's the fascination i think this this microclimate that we it feels like you know we have that you know kind of encircles the plateau and how it's so changeable from you know, from from one minute to the next, from one level of altitude to the next on the plateau, it's yeah, it's just it's just that that it, there's always a there's always a new puzzle, there's always a new thing to find that you've yet to sort of stumble across, or you've heard people mention, and there's I wonder, you know, I know it's there in that na- that area of Kendra some point, but I wonder will I find it today? I wonder is today the day that I, instead of I follow that line, I follow that slight one to the left, and I all of a sudden I find that that rock that people have been talking about or you know some etching on a stone that people have you know talked about um you know that those kind of fascinations you know little numbers on a rock here and there and thinking why is that there oh but i've found it today now at least i know where it is from and then you come back the following week you're thinking why can't i find what i found last week and i'm on the same path (laughs) and it's that you know it's that kind of intrigue yeah it's just the it's just yeah it just feels like a landscape full of secrets and i think that's as a runner as a walker i think that's probably that's probably the best thing any landscape can ever offer is just the i suppose the guarantee of a different adventure every time you come up is there a part that you, you feel is underexplored for you um yeah for me the 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 fur the um 
the further eastern end of the plateau, kind of beyond Edel Moor Trig, um, is the area that I've probably spent least time in over the years. Uh, but that's probably because it's the furthest bit physically away from me. Like if I if I come up onto Kinder, I can get to where we are now quite easily from the Glossop side. Whereas to go to the far end, it's that just that little bit further. And I think at this time of year, it's it's the bit where it's very very weather dependent. I'd have to be up here at like seven a.m. setting off to make sure I could get round and see it all whereas you know in the summer it's it's you know it isn't as much of an issue but it's just making it's making the time to be able to say right I need a good eight to ten hours on the plow to be able to come out or come around it at a comfortable pace to be able to take it all in um but um yeah it's that yeah and I, I think when I've been up there a little bit more in the last 12 months I've really enjoyed that end and where it comes up kind of crookstone knoll side so yeah that's the bit that's the bit to do a little bit more in I think for me and the and the actual the the dead center of the plateau as well I think because you know like I said the way I stumbled upon upon Kinder Gates, um you know only this time last year even though it's a fairly obvious route once you're in there but it's actually sometimes getting into it when you're on the outskirts of the ed, of the of the plateau like we are today, it's it's getting you know it's navigating in and around and finding how those cliffs all link into each other so yeah still plenty to still plenty to find. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories and what you think about this place what you feel about your side of kinder <laughs> oh, yes, I, yeah i absolutely love it and it's yeah it's been it's been lovely to just wax lyrical about the place because it's not <laughs> something you necessarily do that often it's really nice to actually reflect on it like this and, and i think tie it all together as to where where that's actually come from originally um because yeah i think it's probably one of those things we we take for granted like oh we just we went there one day and it was nice so we carried on coming back so yeah but there's a lot more to it <laughs> yeah yeah and thank you also for sharing your anniversary with with me and with everyone who's listening no it's a pleasure it's i think yeah it's it's a it's a lovely way to it's a lovely way to do it and i think i think as as big an anniversary as as this has been you know of of my i think it's lovely to be able to to talk about it and reflect back in in such a lovely you know positive and you know memory laden way like this so yeah thank you it's been a really lovely opportunity <laughs>